Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey everyone, I'm Megyn Kelly. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. Today we have a treat for you, Janice Dean, back by popular demand. Everybody loved her last episode with us, and boy do we have some updates for you. Uh, As you probably know, she's a Fox News meteorologist, and she is the author of a new book called Make Your Own Sunshine, an attitude with which I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, But Janice has also been following the Cuomo saga, as you know. She's the one responsible for staying on Andrew Cuomo, governor of New York, and his malfeasance when it comes to the COVID crisis here, and in particular, his order last spring to send thousands of COVID-positive patients into the New York State nursing homes, which was just a foolhardy decision at best. He was warned not to do it. He did it anyway. And now we learn from our state attorney general that he's been covering it up. That is the allegation that he's been covering up the numbers to make himself look better. The number of people who died in the nursing homes and and then died in the hospitals when they were transferred from the nursing homes. It's all coming out. And not only that, but the sort of two of the one two punch has been now at least two women coming forward and accusing him of Me Too type behavior. So the situation is getting worse for him by the day. And I'm going to ask Janice about it. We're going to walk you through what what exactly has happened, what is likely to happen, and the media hypocrisy on this, the, the dereliction of duty that people at CNN and elsewhere are guilty of in covering this story. So we'll get into all of that. Plus, I've got the inside scoop for you on our trip to Kalahari Water Resort in the Poconos. You don't want to miss that. That's coming up right after this. Is he going down? Is Andrew Cuomo, is he going down in one way, shape or form, whether it's an impeachment, he'll be forced to resign. Is he going down? Okay, that is a good question. I think this is the beginning of the end of him. I really do. I feel like there's going to be more women especially the fact that there's been multiple memos from Cuomo over the weekend. So the first one was kind of like, I didn't do it, um, misunderstanding. And then the the next memo that dropped was he was basically admitting to, you know, doing some of this behavior, but under the disguise of, I was only joking. I'm so playful. (laughs) It was right. It's like, oh, I'm such a kidder. I, I love to kid the ladies by kissing them on the lips in my office. <laughs> oh. Like Seriously, that's what he decided to go for. I'll just read the audience. Like, just We'll get them up to speed before I read his defensive statement. But So now the governor's been accused by at least, as of the time we're talking, two women of sexual harassment. This is, of course, on the heels of his much more you know significant sin, which is he, his behavior led to the death of 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what Janet's been jumping up and down about for a year. But this is also serious, and it, and it has governed a lot of um, news coverage. And so there's one woman named Lindsay Boylan, and the second woman now is named Charlotte Bennett. And Lindsay is accusing him of bullying her, of asking her to straight to play strip poker, of rubbing her legs, her lower back, her arms, and then ultimately, um, and then they had an aide tell her that she was like the hotter sister to somebody he dated, and then he he according to her kissed her on the lips in his office here in New York. Oh, okay. So that's one. Then Charlotte comes forward. Charlotte Bennett comes forward and backs her up to to some extent, saying he was inappropriate with her too. Um, a lot of sexual innuendo. What else did Charlotte say? 
So yeah, Charlotte basically was saying that he was asking if she would have sex with an older man. And I believe he also asked her to get a tattoo on her butt at some point. So this is all, you know, very uncomfortable. What is that even? What is that like a tramp stamp? What is that? What is that? (laughs) But you know what, Megan? Here's the thing. It's not about sex. It's about power. And Mm -hmm. so while I was... I was a bit surprised because I just thought the guy was a, was a bad dude. I didn't think he would go into cross over that territory of sexual harasser. But then when I think about my career and what you and I have gone through, it's about power. So of course he is doing that to young women because it's about, you know, making them feel uncomfortable. That's what, you know, really riles him up, right? Mm-hmm. Is making making people feel bad and being the the most important guy in the room, asserting his dominance. Exactly. So this is his statement now uh in the the latest attempt uh, in response to the women. At work sometimes I think I'm being playful and make jokes that I think are funny. I do on occasion tease people in what I think is a good-natured way. I do it in public and in private. You've seen me do it at briefings hundreds of times. I have teased people about their personal lives, their relationships, about getting married or not getting married. I mean no offense and only attempt to add some levity and banter to what is a very serious business. I now understand that my interactions may have been insensitive or too personal and that some of my comments, given my position, made others feel in ways I never intended. I acknowledge some of the things I have said have been misinterpreted as an unwanted flirtation. To the extent anyone felt that way, I am truly sorry about that. That is the shittiest attempt at cleanup I think I've ever read. I mean, it's terrible, right? Like, oh, I think it'd be my playful moments when I kiss my employees on the lips. He does deny that, but that's what the allegation is. I should say he goes on to say, to be clear, quoting now, I never inappropriately touched anybody and I never propositioned anybody and I never intended to make anyone feel uncomfortable. But these are allegations that New Yorkers deserve answers to. And on that, he's right. We, we do deserve answers and he does deserve due process. You know, just because I'm openly biased against this guy, I own my bias on this particular story. And it's for all the reasons we've been discussing and our closeness and so on. But he deserves due process like anybody else. And so this process will play out and we'll get we'll get a determination. But my point is the way like this statement. So playful was not the way to go. Right. But the fact that he has actually uh, written something like this is quite extraordinary. I saw a clip of Maggie Haberman on CNN, believe it or not. And she said that she's basically covered this governor for on and off for 20 years. And the fact that he even went down the road of somewhat of an apology is Mm -hmm. huge. He does not apologize. And as I have learned in the last 10 months of covering him, he likes to blame everyone else except himself. So the fact that he is issuing something like this makes me think that a he's in real trouble because there was also reporting that this the Char, uh, his aide Charlotte was moved she actually went to a superior and told them about this behavior and she was moved to a different position Megan so mm. they knew about it 
And I think that there's a trail. There's a paper trail. There's probably people who are corroborating her story. And now if there's an investigation and not one organized by him, uh, right. but by the, the, the AG, uh, Tish James, who also, thank goodness, uh, has been on our side with the nursing home issue, um, there's going to be subpoenas and there's going to be people telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So what, and, and this is so reminiscent of what happened at Fox, right? When Roger tried to get the investigation controlled by him, he would decide who got interviewed. I mean, what what the hell world does that lead to an honest result in, right? So he's trying to, you know, seize control of the investigation. Like, oh, we'll investigate, but I'll, you know, I'll make sure it's handled right. No, no, sir. You don't get to investigate yourself. Um, but what what makes you think that there will be other women? Just history? The language, the language when you read that. I just feel if you look over that statement again, there's a lot of plurals. Mm. And I just feel like you and I both know when there's smoke, there's fire. Mm -hmm. It's true. And and now that we've had two, like you just have one that can happen, like the one and then that's it. This is like already we've had two and everybody lives in fear of this guy. I mean, truly, whatever you think of Cuomo, you cannot deny this guy is a bully. People on both sides of the aisle, reporters up and down have testified to that. He is a bully. So imagine yourself like this Charlotte Bennett, young, just starting out in New York politics. They don't want to speak up against him. They're Mm -hmm. afraid. So now that two have done it, it does seem more than likely if there are others, they're going to come out. And I've heard uh, from sources that there are others and that they have been afraid. But hopefully, you know, sometimes when one person stands up, a second person stands up, and then there are, you know, more brave people that Mm -hmm. come to tell their truth. It's so crazy to think that after everything that's happened, this might bring him down. Well, I'm not surprised, though. It was my husband, actually, yesterday when we were sitting in the car who said, Al Capone, they got him on tax evasion, right? Yeah, Instead so right. of the real, the real stuff. So, and I've heard from other people uh, who I will not identify, who's who are pretty much in the know that they're already talking about uh, this being his downfall so that they don't have to go down the road of the more criminal stuff like the nursing homes. This one would be sort of an easy out. It's so it's so helpful to the Democratic politicians who don't like him, but don't want to back him, but don't want to be sucked into some corruption investigation that might dirty them up. Absolutely. And and from what we know, you know, going down the road of the nursing home issue, which I know we'll get into, it looks dirtier and dirtier and more corrupt every day, Megan. So, you know, over the weekend, you saw a chorus of lawmakers on social media let's get to the bottom of this. This is terrible. You know, um, believe all women. Um, so I just think that this is a really easy path to go down. No woman should ever be put through something like this. Let's just make that clear. It's Mm -hmm. awful. He's disgusting. However, um, this would be much easier for these democratic lawmakers to get behind than an actual story of, of corruption. Right. That they, they don't want it touch with a 10 foot pole lest it Correct. reflect on them. And and the, and just to identify corruption, we're not 
necessarily talk about. I don't know. We'll find out. We're not necessarily just talking about like bribery or, you know, it's it's all wrapped up in the nursing home scandal. Um, why he did what he did. More is coming out on that, which we're going to get into. So the nursing home scandal, one would think would have been lethal to this guy as a politician long ago. But first we had the media stonewalling. The Democrats wouldn't turn on him. And now both of those things are starting to turn. And it's seeming like it was even worse and more nefarious than we first began. So let me just back up. So now things are getting they're crescendoing against him on the nursing home scandal. Just just to reiterate, I think our audience knows at this point, but this is 100 percent Janice Dean's doing. It is 100 percent you're doing. No one would be talking about any of this if it hadn't been for you, my friend from Floral Park, Long Island. And so now that they've been dragged to the story, kicking and screaming, the the messaging has been kind of like, oh, it's breaking news. You know, Cuomo, he issued this order. Thousands of people died. And the news that really had the, the media treating this like it's a brand new story. Oh, my gosh. Is the AG in New York came out with a report that he totally undercounted the deaths. They, they hid the true number of people who died in these nursing homes as a result of his order that these nursing homes had to accept COVID positive patients into them and that they weren't even allowed to test the patients to find out whether they had the COVID positive patients. And then they were putting them next to the other patients in the nursing homes where it was very predictable what would happen. So the press is like, oh my gosh, I guess it's a story because now they can't cover it. And here was Janice Dean, people, um, just like last week, at a rally trying to, you know, talk about this as she's been doing regularly. And I just want you to listen to this. And a lot of news agencies, news companies think that this is breaking news. We have been shouting from the rooftops for 10 months, 10 months. And I have yet to hear this governor say in front of a microphone, I am sorry for your loss. The governor has blamed everyone, everyone except the man that signed the mandate, everyone except the man that has been covering up the numbers. He's blamed God, he's blamed Mother Nature, he's blamed Fox News, he's blamed the New York Post, he's blamed the nursing home workers, those that went in there and tried to care for my loved ones whom we could not go in or have wakes or funerals or have rights or hold their hands. We did not see them. The only time my husband was allowed to go see his mom was when she was dead through a glass window. What is that? That is not humanity. Oh. Such a powerful moment. And and your indignation at his blaming the nurses who were in there trying to save the lives he endangered, J.D. Yeah, that was his investigation into himself. There's so many layers of this story and so much blame. And he just will not take any accountability. And how dare anyone who, you know, says that it was his March 25th order. Even Howard Zucker, just a couple of days ago, last week, Howard Zucker is the health commissioner and he's the one that helped with writing this, you know, I call it uh, death warrant, March 25th. When he was asked, don't you think that that March 25th order to put infected patients into, into nursing homes for 46 days, don't you think that might've had an impact on the most vulnerable? He actually said, no. No, I know oh it. God. No, it did not. I mean, just disgusting lies and cover up to this day. Uh, and that's why I've always been saying independent bipartisan investigation with subpoena power. It's the only way we're going to get answers. And yes, 
the media has been complicit in this cover-up, the cover-up of the cover-up, except for the New York Post, which did amazing reporting throughout this Mm -hmm. whole last year almost. Uh, Fox News obviously helped me cover it. Um, There have been some Albany reporters that have been on this story. But for the most part, uh, they did not touch it. And instead, CNN. I mean, the Cuomo Brothers Hour, I when I came out to talk about this story, it was a day after the infamous Cuomo Brothers Comedy Hour with that giant cotton swab. I was furious. My grief turned to anger. And that's when I decided it was time to speak out. Okay, now wait, we have we have a bunch of amazing clips queued up for today. And one of them is, as you put it, the Cuomo Brothers Comedy Hour. Now, these two, Chris Cuomo, for very good reason, was not allowed to interview his brother, the governor of New York, on CNN prior to any of this, because he has a conflict of interest. You don't have to be a a rocket scientist to see that one. They bent the rules during Cuomo, you know, because it was an extraordinary circumstance. And these interviews at the time, never mind now, proved why the rule made sense in the first place, why a legitimate news organization would not allow this to happen because major things were happening at that time. And there were there was good reason even then to ask about these subjects. He didn't. And now he looks like a fool. Here's a little highlight reel. My brother, thank you for coming back to the show. Mom told me I had to. Dad tried to have a curfew for me. I never got past the resentment, but uh, I do believe you'll see more tightening if the the numbers don't slow. Your problems with the curfew. It's the least of your problems, just so you know. I never fight. You violated the curfew all the time. Caused much pain, but that's a different story. No matter how hard you're working, there's always time to call mom. She wants to hear from you, just so you know. Yeah, I called mom. I called mom just before I came on this show. By the way, she said I was her favorite. She never said that. Good news is she said you were her second favorite. Is it true that when you were having the test administered, you inhaled and the doctor's finger went all the way up your nose and got stuck and had to be released with a tool? Is that true? Just to to deal with the record. she 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 wanted to comment that I have a little button nose. Mm. This was the actual swab that was being used to fit up that double barrel shotgun that you have mounted on the front of your pretty face. That swab is like a piece of lint going in that thing in your face. That's How not, could it have collected anything? Not, it was like throwing a rock around a cave. So not right. Was it this that or was it right. this? Tell people the truth. Come on, love that go. Is not, Come on, which was This it? is not love. Mm. Oh, oh no. But it it was love. That's exactly what it was. Because at the time, J.D., that last thing with the swab, the giant swab that Chris Cuomo was holding, that was May of 2020. It it was already known and a story that he had issued the order sending sick patients into those nursing homes. And there was a tweet at the time by Nicholas Fondacaro reading, instead of asking his brother, the New York governor, why he decided to pack COVID patients into nursing homes, killing untold amounts of people, Chris Cuomo pulled out oversized prop cotton swabs to mock 
how big his brother's nose was. This is the state of journalism on CNN. Pathetic. And then Anna Navarro, who's now on The View and a CNN contributor, writes, look, she says, for months, CNN has carried almost 24-7 sobering COVID news. A few minutes of friendly bantering between two brothers with high-profile, high-stress jobs is not supposed to be journalism. It's called humor. It is a coping mechanism for some of us. Simple. If it offends you, don't watch. (sighs) Yeah. I went after her with that tweet as well. And then she came back at me with, who are you? I have no idea who you are. (laughs) Now she knows. Well, I mean, it's just, it's so gross. And then very recently, they had Ron Kim on The View, which I was very grateful to see. He was the lawmaker uh, who has been very brave, a Democratic lawmaker, assemblyman from Queens, New York, who has who lost an uncle in a nursing home and has been very vocal. I've known him for months now. He was the only Democratic lawmaker that came in on the Zoom call when I had a, a makeshift hearing with Republican lawmakers after they uh, decided I they were too uncomfortable with having me at the actual original hearing about nursing homes. So all the Ron Dems Kim's, boycotted you except for him. Yes. Ron Kim is the good guys, right? And he was on The View last week, I believe, where Anna Navarro asked, got to ask him a question, but she prefaced it with, well, I live in Florida, so I don't know the nuances of this story. And oh. I, I mean... Just and so I, <laughs> I found that tweet, and I retweeted it and said, "Well, this aged well." <laughs> well, even in that moment, you had responded to her saying, "One one of these guys faked his own quarantine." Hi, Chris Cuomo. The other guy let recovering COVID patients back into nursing homes, which ultimately, I believe, killed one or both of my in laws. If this clown show happened on Fox, you'd be raging. Sit down, please. Boom. That's exactly right. How dare she? And then when she's got Ron Kim, who not only had a relative killed by the same order, we we believe, but um, has had the nerve to speak out about it and now is being bullied daily by Cuomo to walk it back, to walk back some of the things he's been reporting. She pleads ignorance. I'm from Mm -hmm. Florida. Well, then shut up. Why'd you comment on it to begin with? Right. And isn't it her job to know what's happening with Ron Kim to be on a, a a news program like The View, if you're going to interview Ron Kim for a few, for a whole segment on your program, don't you think you need to like do some research? Which it was she pathetic. did. I guarantee you she did. She didn't like the results for Cuomo. And so she decided to opt into the dumb routine. Dude, I had no idea. I mean, that's what they're all doing, right? Like Nicole Wallace had him on like a couple of weeks ago. Didn't ask him anything. No, nothing about this stuff, right? Like they're all, a lot of these folks on, on MSNBC and other networks are still trying to cover for him. Right. And Nicole Wallace actually just a couple of weeks ago had the governor on and he gave the infamous quote of inept government kills people. I think oh, that's what we have said. that too. Oh, we have that goody. too. Stand by. We were ambushed like no other state, Nicole. And again, it was from federal incompetence. Uh, They thought the virus was in China. It had left China, it had gone to Europe, and it came here for three months before they ever knew. Uh, Incompetent government kills people. 
Incompetent government kills people. More people died than needed to die in COVID. That's the truth. And she never followed up. It was, you're a journalist. I actually went after her on social media as well and said, are you kidding me? That was a gift. If you were a journalist, you would have said to him, wow, that's an interesting quote, considering we've had over 15,000 elderly die and you had an order to put COVID positive patients into nursing homes for 46 days. What do you say to that, Mr. Governor? But she didn't. It's amazing. She left that on the floor. I mean, just as a moment of like self-promotion, it would have been a clip that would have gone viral. You'd think she'd do it. Never mind her journalistic sensibility, in which I do not believe. But it, it reminded me of a moment where I had Dick Cheney on my show years ago. Barack Obama was president and Dick Cheney had written an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal the morning he was set to come on The Kelly File saying he was blaming Barack Obama for the Iraq war. <laughs> I was like, OK, if this is Dick Cheney blaming Barack Obama for the for the Iraq war, right, which basically he started. And I was like, well, now I'm going to have to club him like a harp seal because he said something insane. And instead of being a friendly interview about his new initiative he was pushing with his daughter, it's going to it's going to get ugly because he said something absolutely ridiculous. And of course, the clip went everywhere, whatever. That was her moment. He said something absolutely ridiculous, totally unself-aware, incompetent government kills people. Yes. Right. You are, governor. Right. You are. How did it happen in your case? Exactly. It was just, she shouldn't even have a show after that. You know, I, it was. uh, And what about Chris Cuomo? What about Chris Cuomo now? I mean, CNN hasn't said anything, JD. All they've said, because now others are onto that story and saying, is there going to be an apology? Is CNN embarrassed? Do you want to apologize to your viewers for leaving so much journalism on the floor? And um, their only response is, we've resumed policy that he's no longer allowed to interview his brother. I think his brother actually needs to take a leave of absence. In all seriousness, I really do. Chris, this is a Chris. really Chris. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I think the other guy needs to resign, which I think yeah, will happen. Yeah, yeah. But the other guy who was on CNN, who for months, while body bags were being piled up in storage trucks outside of nursing homes, he'd have his brother on talking and joking about COVID. I mean, it. yeah, I, I actually think CNN needs to put him on leave for a while. Yeah, he shouldn't because he, the night that Lindsey Boiling came out, he didn't touch this story. They, of course CNN not. didn't touch it. He didn't touch it. NBC, CBS and ABC ignored it. Totally ignored it. Well, they can't now. I mean, they can't now. It, 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 it's easier now for them to cover it because it's a sexual harassment story, right? It's, it's not the, the 15,000 seniors that died. Uh, it's, it's much easier for them to, to cover this story. But, you know, even Chris Cuomo should probably have a news person at the bottom of the hour to do the headlines mm-hmm. so that that's at least right. he can sort of pretend that he's covering the story. Well, that's it's so you raise a good point. Because CNN is still protecting that Chris Cuomo is that news person. They pretend that he's a newsman, that Don Lemon's a newsman. I mean, I'll tell you, like on the Fox primetime, if news broke during the O'Reilly hour, they would pop up a reporter. You would see Trace Gallagher pop up and do a live report. They knew not to mislead the audience like that. No one was trying to pretend O'Reilly was a straight news guy or Hannity. And yet these guys are out there 
pretending to be straight news journalists and ignoring one of the biggest stories in the country. And now the other shoe has dropped and they and they've ignored that, too. And what are they, what's Chris Cuomo going to do? Is he going to report on Lindsey Boylan if his brother's forced to step down? Who's going how are they going to handle that? Huge conflict of interest. there's no way around it. I really think either they put like headline news at the bottom of his hour that he doesn't touch, or he has to take a bit of a vacation. It's not, Mm. it's not a good, it's really not good for the Cuomo family right now. Well, it's a good point because how can Chris Cuomo fairly cover Ron DeSantis, right? In Florida or governor Abbott in Texas or any other governors, if he's barred from covering the New York state governor, as it relates to COVID. Well, he's been he's been tweeting too. He's he puts out these tone deaf tweets about well the Ted Cruz thing. Obviously, Ted Cruz going to Mexico when Texas is in dire straits with the with the ice storm and the snow and the no power. So Ted Cruz takes his family and he goes to Mexico. Dumb idea. Absolutely, there there's no question. And and if you're covering that story, it's an important one because. You know, no lawmaker or someone of you know importance uh, that it, a senator, no less, in Texas should be leaving the state that is in peril. Yeah, but people are Chris dying. Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, going on and talking about Ted Cruz and talking about what a oh my goodness, what a silly decision for a governor to make. Oh, that's just open season for us to right. go after him. Right. Maybe take a seat on that one, Chris. And Absolutely. It really is, he's in an impossible position. He's placed himself there with the help of his network. You're right. He should be benched and, and he shouldn't be allowed to talk about another governor in this country. I mean, all these lawmakers put him in a compromised position when he wants to talk about incompetence, cover ups and covid. Yeah, it's just I think it's a really bad look for them right now. And hopefully, you know, they're in meetings trying to figure it out. <laughs> I guarantee but maybe not. The, they're not. That would suggest they care. They don't care. They're like, dodge but what bullet, happens? You know, what happens, Megan, when this governor is I mean, seriously, they're thinking of impeaching him or I mean, they're going to do some. They are going to be doing things in Albany today. Uh, I tell you exactly what CNN is going to be like local story. They don't oh. do anything with DeSantis or Abbott. That's not a local story. But with Andrew Cuomo, I guarantee they're going to be like local story. Or we mentioned it in a in a passing news read on Wolf's show. Right. It's like, yeah, but zero, zero time devoted to this in the prime time of CNN. Can you imagine at that point, if we do the matchup between their coverage of that versus what they did of Cruz? We already took a look at this a couple of weeks ago. And of course, it was dreadful for them. I mean, it just shows their unfairness. We're going to get back to Janice Dean in one second. And we're going to talk about Ron Kim. Now, this Democratic lawmaker has been jumping up and down right next to J.D., trying to make the same points and Good gracious, is this guy bold. He came out, he got threatened, he says, by Governor Cuomo directly. He was on um, the local uh, Fox here, Fox 5, and the anchor said, show me your phone, show me your call records. He liked to prove that the governor had called him the night before, and he did. He pulled up his phone, he shoved it into the camera, and there it was, Governor Cuomo. Not that we doubted him, but he sort of said that they'd been calling him a lot and trying to threaten him, and there the evidence was. And Ron Kim went full bore on what this governor did to him, how he threatened him and, f- and made him in fear of his life, of his life. So that's coming up. The last time you were here, you'd been jumping up and down saying he issued this order. It killed thousands of people. 6,000 people at least were put into the nursing homes. 6,000 people were killed or so in their nursing homes. And 
he issued this order, even though he was warned, he was warned by medical boards. This is a fucking terrible idea. They were saying you're going to kill people. The, the, the facilities are too small. They're overcrowded. This is New York City. We don't have sprawling space. People are going to die. And he did it anyway. So it's not like he I don't say this was a good faith mistake because th- this was at, at best uh, a grossly negligent mistake because he was warned. And even as a layperson, you can see that this was completely knuckleheaded. You were jumping up and down saying people need to pay attention to the story. And you said, I think the number is much bigger than 6,000. I, I think it's much bigger because he's not counting. He's undercounting that number. And he's not counting the number of people who were sent from the nursing homes once they fell ill and died in the hospitals. You are 100 percent right. So we're going to get to how that came out. But I, I want to ask you one question. A lot of our listeners asked me and our reviews after you left last time. Why, why didn't he send the COVID positive elderly to that ship? You know, the ship Trump sent and it was Mm -hmm. sitting there on the Hudson. Yeah. Okay. So why didn't he send them there or to one of the hotels? Why did he send them into the nursing homes? Excellent question. And one that we still don't have an answer to. I have my theories, but you are correct in saying we had the Comfort Ship and we had the Javits Center and we had other makeshift hospitals. There was also um, tents set up in Central Park. Um, there were all sorts of places for overflow to go into because you know that was the excuse is he wanted to make sure that hospital beds were, uh, there were enough of them to take COVID patients in or all of the patients that were going to be coming into the hospitals. So they needed places to put them. And Trump gave them those facilities that went, I believe, 80% unused. And there is an excellent question into why didn't he use them? Theories of the fact that there was no money exchange. There are articles coming out now about the fact that COVID patients got double the amount for nursing homes to take them in. So there's a money trail. The fact that Cuomo gave blanket immunity, I think two days after he put the March 25th order in place. Why did he give blanket immunity to nursing homes? Huh? Interesting. Uh, Was it because the military were in charge of the Comfort Ship and uh, the Javits Center? So all of these questions are ones I want answers to. And I think that- Did New York State, did New York State make more money in some way if the patients didn't leave the nursing homes? They made money if the nursing homes took in COVID patients, made more, Mm. double. I think Ron Kim was the one. Ron Kim is actually, is a hero. He's doing investigative journalism right now, more so than any of the journalism uh, outlets out there, more so than the news departments. He's actually breaking news every single day on the nursing homes. Uh, well, so let's talk fact. about that. So he, yep. so two weeks ago before we went to Kalahari, which we'll get to, um, <laughs> the, the, the water slide park um, with our families, it wasn't just the two of us. That would have been a little weird, <laughs> but awesome. Okay. So I would two definitely ago, go. <laughs> I saw you on that slide, girl. I know um, we have to talk about that. <laughs> we, we heard from Ron Kim, like he's the reason we found out about the numbers actually being much higher. Then, like we knew it, but they hadn't admitted it. And tell us about the conference call he had with Melissa DeRosa and who she is. 
Right. Melissa DeRosa is Cuomo's top aide. Uh, she and another guy, Rich as a party, both bullies, by the way. Uh, I've I've been bullied by Rich He's as a party. He's the one who's like, she's not an authority on anything but the weather. That's right. He's, I mean, if you look at his social media, he he's really brutal. He he called my sister-in-law, he told her to get a life. <gasps> uh grieving sister-in-law. And the, you know, there's a an advocacy group called um Voices for Seniors that I've become close with. Uh, he calls them and people advocating for their elderly uh, relatives who died a death cult. Okay. Oh, so these are the types of people, yeah, that Cuomo surrounds himself with. These are the people, his aides. So Melissa DeRosa uh, basically went into a meeting, a closed door meeting with Democrats a couple of weeks ago. And we knew it was happening. And there was, you know, some scuttlebutt on, you know, in the Albany press as to why they were having a Democratic uh, meeting with with lawmakers closed door to talk about nursing homes. Why why weren't there Republicans there? So it was a two hour meeting. I believe it was conducted over Zoom. And Melissa DeRosa basically apologized to the Democrats, not to the families, of course, but apologized to the Democrats for sort of not giving them more information on what was happening in nursing homes. The nursing home issue was getting a lot of heat on, you know, in the news. And she basically said, listen, you know, uh, we, we haven't really filled you guys in yet because there was that DOJ investigation into the nursing homes by Trump and he was naming other governors. There was Newsom, uh, Murphy, Wolf from Pennsylvania and uh, Whitmer. He was saying, you know, we're killing all of these seniors. So, you know, we had to sort of get our ducks in a row before we could give you any information. But she basically told the Democratic lawmakers that they were covering up the fact that there were more numbers that they weren't producing. Ron Kim, I don't know who the leaker was, but hats off to the leaker. Ron Kim was eventually the person that stood up when Cuomo called him on, wait, a, wait, on before, the weekend. But before we get to that, but before we yeah. get to the call. Um, so this woman, according to the reports, Melissa DeRosa said to these Dems, we we didn't turn over the information to the feds because we were worried about getting prosecuted. We right. were worried about getting prosecuted. Now, she hasn't said anything since it came out. She said this, that the governor's office is is claiming, oh, no, that, that's not exactly she, they don't have that right. That's not right. But there's there's a report that there's a transcript of what she said and mm-hmm. that, you know, not, she's not gonna be able to wiggle out of it. And she hasn't come out and said otherwise. So if that's true, then this could seriously be obstruction of, of justice. If the if the Justice Department is saying to New York State, give us the numbers, how many people died in nursing homes, how many people died in the, in the hospitals? What are the real numbers? And you're stonewalling, as Melissa mm-hmm. DeRosa reportedly said, because you don't want to go to jail. Yeah. You got a yeah. whole new host of trouble on your hands. Absolutely. And I had spoken with a senior uh, official with the DOJ in December who told me that as of October, they had not gotten any information from Cuomo or the administration. So if that's true from a senior department official, then they were not producing information when asked by the Department of Justice. Wouldn't that be a crime? Yes, 100% it would. There was a great op-ed in the Wall Street Journal 
on February 21st um, by a former acting. It was a, it was this guy, John uh, Daukas. I don't yes. know how you pronounce it. D-A-U-K-A-S. He served Daukas. as principal uh, Daukas, as principal deputy and acting U.S. assistant attorney general for the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. Um, and he said this was this may not have just been negligent, but it, it looks like it was intentional and perhaps criminal and says um, it's a crime to conceal information and otherwise obstruct government investigations. Uh, they may have engaged in a conspiracy to defraud the United States and its agencies, possibly obstruct justice, and says even if it cannot be proved that the Cuomo administration knowingly provided false information to justice, New York's willful failure to provide information may itself constitute a criminal offense, particularly if the intent was to thwart a federal investigation, which after all is exactly what Mr. Rosa reportedly said the administration did. Isn't it convenient now that we're focused on sexual harassment with this governor, right? Because it, it it's getting all of these people off the hook right now. I and, understand and so the that circles t- tightening around him. Right. Absolutely. Uh, DeRosa, I believe, has lawyered up, uh, but it's all very like there's tentacles all around because now that the federal government is investigating and the FBI, in addition to the DOJ uh, investigation that was hap- that's been happening for months, Melissa DeRosa's mother-in-law is a judge in the Southern District of New York, which is where something like this would have been brought to. Mm. And her father is one of the biggest hospital lobbyists in New York State. No so they are all connected. By the way, and she's the one, this Melissa DeRosa, who Lindsay Boylan, this is one of his accusers who said he kissed her on the mouth. Um, she, Lindsay Boylan wrote, and I quote, it was also normalized, particularly by Melissa DeRosa and other top women around him, that only now do I realize how insidious his abuse was. So this woman's name is on is on a lot. I mean, she's on his inner circle of protectors from the sound of it. So, J.D., so that breaks. And that was a big, big story that they they had understated the numbers, as you'd been suggesting all along, by a lot, by a lot. Right. It was it, first they had said it was six thousand. Mm-hmm. Then when um, when they knew that this report was coming out, that the AG report was coming out because the, the attorney general had looked into it and said it's much higher. Then they were like, oh, OK, we're ready to raise the numbers. We were just just about to do it. They raised it, I think, to nine thousand. Um, and now we know from AP reporting, it's up to fifteen thousand people they're saying were killed directly or indirectly as a result of this governor's order. So now we're up to fifteen thousand people. And so the night this broke. And Ron Kim backed it up. What happened in this meeting with DeRosa, Ron, he, the governor called Ron Kim personally mm-hmm. and went off on him. And Ron Kim, to his credit, the guy's got, you know what? Yep. He goes on TV the next day and goes public with the Cuomo phone call. And here's a bit of Ron Kim telling us what happened. I spoke out and told the truth. And the governor asked me when he called the next day at 8 p.m., for 10 minutes berating me and yelling at me in front of my wife, in front of my kids, while I was about to bathe my kids, to a point where my wife was shaking and I had to walk away from her for a couple of minutes because she can still hear how, what the, the yelling was on the phone, asking me that, asking me to write a statement, not tomorrow, tonight, um, to clarify, telling me, like, are you a lawyer? 
you mm. didn't hear it right. You don't have, you know, you're not a lawyer. So how could you have understood what Melissa said? Um, this is what she said. You're, you will issue this statement tonight. You will go back tonight and do it. That night, my wife um, didn't sleep. Um, she was upset. She was shaking uh, and um, upset at me for a couple of hours, you know, and, and blaming me. Like, what did you do to us? Uh, she was scared, not just for my political career, uh, but for my life. I mean, that's the impact um, that, she, that that phone call had on my family. And um, it still, I think, shakes her to think about uh, what it means for the most powerful, one of the most powerful politicians in the country to call you and threaten your your livelihood because you're doing your job. Mm. Think about that. Mm. He's scared for his life. Yeah. This governor made him afraid for his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who doesn't think this guy is a dangerous bully who silences all of his critics, you were warned early on. Watch your back. Yeah. Watch your back by a friend who knows him well. And and now other stories, J.D., are coming out. There's um, this woman, Lindsay Boylan. She tweeted out saying, when I accused him of sexual harassment, he had same names here. Rich as a party. That's the guy who said you're you're not an authority in anything but the weather. Mm-hmm. Call around and badmouth me. He had loyalists try to intimidate me and anyone who has ever or does work for me. There is one mode with Cuomo and it is fear. I'm done with being afraid. And it looks like others are too. And then on February 22nd, there was an op-ed in the New York Post by a former Post reporter, Morgan Feme, P-E-H-M-E, mm-hmm. um, saying it's got a call in April of 2014 while she was doing reporting on the governor from Melissa DeRosa. It wasn't the governor himself, but she knew, she says, it bore the full weight of his power. And DeRosa vowed, quote, to destroy Morgan, to destroy her career and to take revenge on the New York Post. She said, I remember how vividly how I felt scared. I, I had no reason to think that these were idle threats. Uh, and this is this is a pattern. Yeah. It's a pattern. And he's been getting away with it because. Giant swabs and humor and a Democratic press corps that's not interested in hurting him and too many Democrats running cover for him. Listen, that happens on both sides. Tribalism, where you run cover for the person doing shitty things up top. That's why Ron Kim is such a hero. Totally a hero. And I've spoken to Albany lawmakers who tell me that they don't think even this is going to destroy him. They call him the Terminator. But I think the Terminator, didn't he? Wasn't there like Sarah Connor? Didn't she destroy him in the end? (laughs) I don't know. He came back. There were many sequels. I can't yeah, remember there were. how it went down. There were. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, people are really afraid of this guy. I mean, and and like you said, there are many stories of midnight phone calls from either the governor or Rich as a party or DeRosa screaming into the phone, screaming. How do they get away with something like that? I was thinking about this the the other night, you know, in companies, you have an HR department, right? What mm-hmm. happens with Cuomo? What if you're this 25-year-old aide that this is the biggest job you've gotten out of, out of college and you're being harassed by the governor? Where do you go? Is there HR in like government? 
Well, it's a good point, because if what this Charlotte Bennett is saying is true, she went to her supervisor, a woman named or somebody above her, a woman named Jill DeRosier, and was just transferred. You know, it's yeah. like, bury the problem. It wasn't, oh. as far as I know, it wasn't like, let's go deal with the governor because this is not okay behavior. It was like, oh, well, Charlotte's got to go. Right. And and you can hear it. Like, this is, of course, this comes from the top. Melissa and this other guy, they take their marching orders and the tone is set from the top. And you mentioned it earlier, how callous he is, even in talking about the people who were killed. You know, he was like a, with a shoulder shrug, like, People died, which I think we also have. Here it is. Look, whether a person died in a hospital or died in a nursing home, it's the people died. People died. My father was in a nursing home, got transferred to a hospital, and my father died. People died. By the way, the same people are dying today. But who cares? 33, 28, died in a hospital, died in a nursing home. They died. My father died. I wish I had someone to blame. It would have made me feel better, maybe. Ugh. Like, like that's what you're doing. You're just trying to make yourself feel better. Well, I think he's trying to be empathetic, something that he does not know. He's, I think, actually, he is missing that empathy gene. He just can't do it. But I think he thought by talking about his father's death, people would feel sorry for him. And instead, it just made me even more furious because his dad died with people around him. And he died, I believe, of, of, you know, natural causes, or I don't know, I'm sorry, what he died of. But my point is, his father didn't die in a nursing home because there were infected patients that were ordered to be there. And he had people around him that loved him where my husband could not see his mother or his father at all. He -hmm. saw his mother through glass. No, sorry. He got a call saying, you can come see your mom dead through a glass window. And he didn't do that. Oh my God. Yeah. So you know what, Governor Cuomo, I'm sorry, I can't. And the whole thing of whether they died in the hospital or they died in the nursing home, well, that is a big deal because that is the number that went from 8,000 to 15,000. And you've been covering up the number. It's Megan, it's like this. If there is a car crash on the highway and someone, you know, God forbid, dies, but they, they don't die on the highway, they die either on the way to the hospital or in the hospital. Does that mean that death doesn't is not a highway car crash? It's a hospital death? Really? That's what mm. he's saying. And, and what, do we believe it was just because he wanted to make it look like that order didn't result in that many yeah. people dying or as many as we now know? Absolutely. You know, because he went on interviews, made me furious. And he had the percentages like he would always say, oh, well, New York is 45th in percentages and compared to the other states, those who died in the nursing home. Well, he was using bad numbers for months so that, you know, it was like, well, other states lost more people in nursing homes than we did because New York was the only state that didn't count those that died in the hospital but got COVID in their nursing homes. So, yes. 
huge cover-up. And that's what you said. Tish James came out with her 76-page review. She conducted her own investigation. I believe it completely caught them off guard because so many people wanted to have those numbers. There were many foil requests from reporters trying to get those numbers, but she did. She the went New York in. The State and, Attorney General has powers yes, that journalists do not. And a Democrat. Uh, right. So she, yep, and she got the numbers. And that's when, you know, it started, the dam started breaking. You know, I asked this the last time, but I, I think it's, it's worth repeating. To those people who say, you know, it was a difficult time. How could he know? Maybe he was just looking for a place to put these people where they could be safe. You know, they couldn't reject them from the nursing homes. They were sick. You know, did the best he could. We we're all dealing with the new pandemic. What say you? If he had said in the very beginning, when we were just finding out about the March 25th order that we did not know about, if he had said, I made mistakes, I wasn't listening to science, instead he was, by the way, listening to hospital lobbyists, um, I wasn't listening to science, I needed to make sure that there were hospital beds available for sick patients in the hospitals, I am sorry. I will spend the rest of my career trying to write this so that it never happens again. And maybe if he had written condolence cards or sat with families instead of writing, I'm sorry, you know, I'm trying not to square and I'm trying not to get upset. Come instead on in, the water's fine. Writing, a, a nope, because my, my, my son is in Catholic school. I can't do it. Uh, you know, instead, oh, my godson. <laughs> your godson is in Catholic school and I cannot take the Lord's name in vain. I'm um, setting a bad example. It's okay. <laughs> um, if he had not written a book during the middle of a pandemic or tried to sell a COVID mountain poster or won an Emmy award and instead called up some families, mm. I think we would have accepted his apology. That's a great point. He he now has been asked, would you like to apologize? Would you, you know, would you like to say something to the families? And this is what he said about apologizing. Is there anything that you personally apologize for in this whole process? Apologize? Look, I have said repeatedly, we made a mistake in creating the void. We made a mistake in creating the void. When we didn't provide information, it allowed press, people, cynics, politicians to fill the void. See, the narrative got away from me and mm -hmm. went to a false place of me being the bad guy because I didn't fill the void. Because I, I yeah. didn't, and he doesn't mean I didn't give the numbers over. He means I didn't push back against these crazed lunatics who, who think that my order had anything to do with anybody's death. Mm -hmm. The void. What about the void in my family? What about the void that my husband doesn't have his parents anymore? That every day on his way home from work, when he used to call his mom, he still has that urge to call his mom. How about that void, Governor? He went on to dismiss you. All the other families, people asking these questions as conspiracy theorists, that you're conspiracy theorists. He's so far away from an apology. And this is the same guy who, out of the other side of his mouth, lectures us on how leaders take responsibility. 
Mm-hmm. He's going to hold himself accountable. That's what a leader does. But he, what he's holding himself accountable for is allowing the void to sit. So conspiracy theorists like you can jump in and accuse him of bad behavior. Right. It just never ends. I mean, and, you know, I do think that this is the beginning of the end for him. Uh, and I, I hope and pray, Megan, that that they don't lose sight of the nursing home issue, that this needs to be investigated. It needs to be fairly investigated because there is so much corruption. I believe it's criminal. I believe people died because of his reckless order. And not only him too, there's a bigger story. He wasn't the only governor that had this executive order. There were others. There was Whitmer, there was Murphy in New Jersey, there was Governor Wolf in Pennsylvania and Newsom in California, all Democrats. And I think there needs to be an investigation on the origin of that order. Why was there a March 25th order? Where did it come from? Because we know it didn't happen because of science. We know that some of his health officials have quit, nine of them. That That's fairly mm. recent. Uh, and were the orders in those other states that I mentioned identical to what Cuomo's was? Because that would be another big story. Well, that's interesting because one of the things he had said in defending himself was, I have been in touch with the best experts in dealing with this. You know, I'm sort of surrounded by a team of amazing people. And then um, Margaret Hoover interviewed Mm -hmm. the doctor he mentioned, the specific doctor, I think he was from Hopkins. And said, is that true? He says, you like the main conciliary, M- Michael Osterholm. And he's like, not at all. No, I, it's like, Governor who? He said, I, I spoke one time with one team member of his for like five minutes on the phone. Meanwhile, Cuomo's calling him like a principal advisor. Right. Yeah. He lies. Yeah. There were nine of health officials that quit. And we still don't know why. So that's another reason to have an independent investigation. Why did these, you know, these scientists that that he was apparently getting information from, why did they quit? Wow. Is anyone, is there an active investigation right now into any of that? I know like Tish James looked into this, but then, I mean, in all fairness, they say, I, I love that she did it. Don't get me wrong. But some people say, well, she's a Democrat who wants his job. That's why she Mm -hmm. looked into it. And then she didn't pursue it. She just sort of dumped a bunch of dirt on him and then was like, "Okay, peace out. My work here is done. It doesn't seem like her investigation is ongoing right now, but I I don't know. Is it do you think it is? And is there another one going? There is. There is another one, another investigation happening. And it was opened, to my knowledge, because of Melissa DeRosa's confession in that Democratic meeting, in that Democratic lawmaker meeting. Apparently, after that, a federal investigation began. Uh, and again, it was supposed to be conducted in the Southern District of New York, but because of DeRosa's connection with the mother-in-law being a judge in the Southern District, it is now the, I believe, Eastern District, which would be Brooklyn. Yep. And there's yep. also an FBI investigation. So that is ongoing. And I pray, I pray that, you know, it's the side of the law and it's not, um, you know, looking... I pray that they're doing it for the right reasons, you know, mm-hmm. that, that the, the, the lawyers that are looking into that are doing it for justice for the families. Are, is there other, like, what are the possible ways that Cuomo could 
go down at this point? Well, I've thought about a class action lawsuit because even though I don't know that we would, uh, you know, there probably be no monetary value. I'm not looking for monetary value, by the way. I can't put a price on my husband's family, but maybe that would open the discovery process, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. if there was a class action lawsuit, there would be, you know, let's find the origins of that March 25th order. Um, Why wasn't the comfort ship used? Was there money uh, being exchanged for the infected patients into the nursing homes? Um, Because I really want answers, Megan. I think we deserve that. And if there is corruption, we need to look under the floorboards. I mean, Mm -hmm. it needs to be, we need to do this for future families. Because, you know, if it's an exchange between nursing homes, Medicare, Medicaid, and the government and hospitals, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's huge. It's like, that's awful. Yeah. Well, so Ron Kim wants him impeached. Ron Kim wants him uh, to have his emergency COVID powers taken away. Um, Five, I think, Republican senators have asked for an investigation into him from the feds. Is that what's happened? Mm -hmm. You're saying it's already happening, that he's getting investigated by the FBI. So, I mean, I don't know. Like, is impeachment likely? Does it, is there any, do we feel like the Democrats are at all behind that? Or is his, is this going to take him voluntarily resigning? I think he's going to have to, I think it's better for them if he resigns, don't you? Than going through an impeachment process. And I also, you know what? A lot of these lawmakers are so wishy-washy. I mean, I, I'm so angry at our New York state lawmakers. There are some good guys out there like Ron Kim, but there are also people that like, there's one guy that apparently, I don't know the whole story. What's his name? Scoofus. He apparently hid in the bathroom because they were having a vote on whether or not to raise the governor's salary and he didn't want to vote. So he ran into the bathroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Apparently that's, these are, that's, yeah, that's your lawmakers. These are elected representatives, they, right? It's, yeah, exactly. These are people we've sent there to represent us. It's so gross. It really is. It's very discouraging. In our next segment, we're going to get into whether JD is going to run for governor. Should she run for governor? And has she been approached by anyone trying to get her to run for governor or trying to dissuade her? Hmm. We'll see. More with J.D. next. Cuomo, like Trump, he doesn't have an adult relationship with the truth. And I actually, this is a funny bit, but I did think it was kind of telling, just a little telling and somewhat entertaining. When when, um, you sent this to me, John Oliver went after him, finally, (laughs) um, the other day. And he he did a great bit, which is well worth Googling if you guys haven't seen it. But there was one part where he was talking about Cuomo's repeated mention of someone named A.J. Parkinson. Listen. And you may have noticed that he was quoting someone there named A.J. Parkinson, and that is something that he likes to do a lot. Remember, textbooks say politicians lead and the people follow. No, it is often the people who lead and the politicians who follow. A.J. Parkinson. A.J. Parkinson. Great quote. I respect elected officials who aren't typical politicians. Don't pass the buck without passing the bucks. 
AJ Parkinson. AJ Parkinson. AJ Parkinson. AJ Parkinson. AJ Parkinson. AJ Parkinson said that. Now, if you're currently thinking, oh no, am I supposed to know who AJ Parkinson is? Don't worry, he's not a famous historical figure that you learned about in school, like Plato or Jane Austen. It's actually completely fine not to be familiar with AJ Parkinson because. He doesn't exist. He's a completely made-up person, apparently by Cuomo's dad, former governor and Kevin Spacey cosplayer Mario Cuomo. Now, he used to invoke the name of A.J. Parkinson as a kind of inside joke with the press. And while that may have been charming at the time, the current Cuomo doing it during a pandemic when virtually no one gets that it's a joke is a pretty weird move. And look, circulating fake quotes it's obviously not the worst thing Cuomo's done. That is becoming increasingly clear. But it does feel like a pretty apt metaphor for an administration that has aggressively managed facts to fit its chosen reality. And it actually brings to mind another insightful saying. Andrew Cuomo is a colossal asshole. It's from an excellent writer named T.J. Pimpernickel. And I'll tell you exactly two things about T.J. Pimpernickel. One, he's a person I totally made up. And two, he's also completely right about Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's so amazing the next person is going to be aj parkinson's this just this just in says cuomo is innocent cuomo didn't do a thing <laughs> why doesn't the press call him out on that i want to see I, somebody confront him well listen i i'm really glad that it took him a long time right uh, but they're there Oliver. but better late than never no better late than never not only has, you know, have most people not been interested in covering this story, but you've taken a bit of guff for being as vocal as you have. Um, you know, the infamous one was that ugh, awful person, Soledad O'Brien, saying meteorologist weighs in and then all of us just piled on her like, F you. Me the meteorologist happened to have lost two of her in-laws, both of her in-laws to this guy's order. So you can just take a seat. And her response was, Lordy, all these Karens adding me, go yell at your neighbor, lady, such a kind, sensitive person. Then there was that rich as a party who we mentioned last I checked, Janice Dean is not a credible source on anything except maybe the weather. Then there's Ben Stiller who got on you like you wrote a book about spreading sunshine. You don't like the governor. I do. Don't be divisive. Bye. I mean, there's got to be some measure of like satisfaction for you now that everything you said was proven true. Well, I think they need to get a little bit more creative in their put downs. Like the weather thing is just so not original anymore. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It, it's fine. I mean, social media can be a really dark place, obviously, but it can be a really awesome place as well. You know, I, I have some of the most amazing followers that will defend me, you know, if they mm -hmm. see a Soledad O'Brien or even a Ben Stiller. It didn't take long for Ben Stiller to do a quick Google search on my family's history. And then to his credit, he actually did apologize and deleted his tweet. That's more than most people do, more than Soledad or um, Ana Navarro did. Oh, no. If you criticize Soledad, you're a Karen, even if you, Janice, the underlying you know, opinion maker is 100% correct in what you said. But I mean, it, just for the record, this woman, Soledad O'Brien, was just asked to testify at a congressional hearing about the state of journalism today, this woman. And she, she said that, you know, we're suffering from a truth decay. Now, this is the same woman, may I just point out, 
who tweeted out her support of actor Jesse Smollett, right? Who tweeted out she thought Trump had colluded with the Russians even after it was disproven. Who, who, who tweeted out that um, she, she tweeted against the Covington Catholic kids. She, she was out saying like, what kind of a morning show would book the Covington teens? Did they ask for forgiveness? That they didn't do anything wrong, you dumbass. They didn't do anything wrong. That she tweeted in support of Jacob Blake. She called me a Karen and a racist. This is the person they call before Congress to inform them about the yeah. state of journalism, Janice. Yeah, and she's a very angry person too. I mean, I I just, uh, I can't even look at her social media. It's just, it's depressing. Listen, I will say this. I look forward to the day that I don't have to be this person calling people out on social media and going back to celebrating National Cheeseburger Day on Fox and Friends, you know? (laughs) That, I feel, is more of my wheelhouse. It's not to say that I'm not, you know, informed when it comes to political matters. And if I have something I'm really passionate about, I will certainly, you know, be an advocate for that. Um, but you know, this political storm that I'm sort of involved in is, is quite uncomfortable for me. You know, I well, just get uh, used to it because you're running for governor. <laughs> you like- have got to do it. We have to talk Wait. about this. Come on. There is a movement to draft Janice Dean from you to run you're well, the shut movement. Up. It's, it's a movement. That's a point. You're there, the movement. There is one. <laughs> All right. Well, wait. So, so you say, let me ask you this. Has anyone not named Megyn Kelly and in a position of authority in New York State asked you to run? There have been people who have asked me. Ah. Uh-huh. Sort of. But asked, asked me if, I'm, if I ever thought about doing something like that. So a roundabout way. Does that mean, so- like, is this somebody who would back you or is this somebody who would run against you? Mm, I can't give that information out. But look, no, I, at this point in time, that is not happening. And you tell me, I mean, okay, if this governor goes down, right, if he resigns mm-hmm. or it, he won't get impeached, I don't think, um, that would kind of, I just would want to highlight the fact that this governor had put in place a deadly order uh, for 46 days to put COVID positive patients in a, into nursing homes. You know, I feel like someone who is an advocate should maybe run against this guy to point out the things that he has gotten wrong and how he's a terrible governor. But if he resigns, then, you know, I feel like I'm hopeful there might be someone better than he. Uh, that will come into power. So, you know, for me, it was always, if I was even thinking about something like that, it would be the reason to shed a light because sunlight, we all know, is the best disinfectant, to shed a light on the policy that I believed believe helped, uh, you know, kill my in-laws. Or at least I think, you know, I don't have any proof in front of me. Um, but that it is undeniable that putting over 9,000 infected patients into nursing homes where our most vulnerable live would have an impact on their lives. Of course. So, of course. I mean, it's, all right, but let me just ask. So I don't actually I don't think you should rule it out just, just it, only if he goes down because all this corruption that's in the government, we think, is still going to be there. Somebody's got to go in and clean it up. Somebody like you, so somebody who's not a politician, someone who's like a citizen, a concerned citizen, a mom 
a professional, a smart woman. It's so fun. Like you're unassailable. Like people try to attack you and they're like, ah, shit, there's nothing. I can't land anything. She's like the most sympathetic, kind, well-liked character. It's super fun on Twitter watching them realize that. <laughs> um, well, so I just think, like it would, it would, I am totally on this issue. I've been open about my bias on this and, and toward him, you know, against him. Um, but I do think JD, if we can't get people like you, good people, you don't have to, no one goes to like, I majored in how to be a New York state governor, you know, like life, life experience brings these things to you. And mm -hmm. this whole thing has been so eye opening. So I don't know. You're not ruling it out completely. Are you? Uh, I sort of think I am. I, you know, no. I, I think, listen, if you had told me a year ago, a year ago, oh, the New York Post is going to do a story about how maybe you should run for governor, I would have been like, are you having too many of that tequila? Are you having too many shots of tequila? Uh, you know, it's very strange to be in this, put in this position, be even being asked the question. But like you said, somebody like a Ron Kim, for example, who have ha who's had something happen to his family, he is passionate about finding the truth. Uh, I like him as a human being. I don't know a whole lot about his policies, but he's a good man. That's somebody I think uh, who, you know, would be a viable, strong candidate. Even someone who has been affected by the coronavirus, like a, a restaurant manager or worker or someone who owns a small business, you know, those people are the ones that have skin in the game and want to see change. And I think that makes an effective leader. What about Lieutenant Governor? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know who Lieutenant Governor was until very recently. I, I couldn't even know what her name is, but obviously she is somebody that might take that role if Cuomo resigns. Um, I'm not sure what a Lieutenant Governor does nothing exactly. nothing I, I don't think they do anything either but it, it would be fun to have you in that role now wait well, you, you mentioned that uh you know sun sunlight is the best disinfectant which is a good transition to sunshine and making your own because you've mm -hmm. got a book out and by the way we are getting to kalahari but you have a book out uh now a new book and that's the title make your own sunshine and what's what is the book about I started writing this book. Well, you know what? If I go right back to the origin of it, it's the Dean's List. The Dean's mm -hmm. List has been on Fox News Radio now for many years. And it actually started out on my friend Jane Skinner's show, Jane Skinner and John Scott. It was happening now. You were around during the time. Yeah. Yeah. And Jane Skinner wanted to do like a good news story, a kicker, we call it in the news business. Um, at the end of a newscast or to just break up the the bad news that, that, you know, we all report on. And we started doing it. It didn't last very long, but she was the one that, that came up with the Dean's List. And so it started on television. It didn't last very long. But then Fox News Radio came to me many years ago and said, we need some, you know, we need some um, content for Fox News Radio in between commercials, uh, between shows, that kind of thing. Something that's about a minute long. Do you have any ideas for us? And I'm a radio gal. I started out in radio. Um, and I just thought, oh, the Dean's List, a minute-long good news story that I did on Fox News Radio. And I still do it five days a week. And when my editor 
Eric Nelson from HarperCollins came to me after Mostly Sunny, which was the memoir that came out two years ago. Uh, he said, do you have another book? You know, what do you think? And I told him about the Dean's List. I said, you know, I only get a minute to talk about these good news stories, but I know that there's way more uh, to dig into when it comes to some of these amazing people that I'm featuring. Um, and I, you know, why don't I send you a couple of stories and, and, and I'll flesh them out. I'll, I'll make a phone call. I'll, I'll talk to them. I'll find out what the backstory is and why they did the wonderful thing that they did and see if that's something that, you know, that you might like as a, as a book. And so I did, I, I, I sent him a couple of Dean's lists that I did more research on. And I talked to the people that were featured in the story and he said, great. It sounds like a chicken soup for the soul type of book. Remember that book mm-hmm. a few years ago? Gosh, it must be 10 or 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah. And it was a huge and, success. And it was. And also, be, yeah. And so I started writing it before the pandemic. And then the pandemic happened and I was writing most of it during the pandemic. And I was calling these people. I was having Zoom calls and I was doing phone calls. And I'll tell you, it got me through the darkest moments of the pandemic. It, it was a book I feel that was meant to be written, not only for people to read about these wonderful individuals, but for my own uh, sanity, for my own self-care. Um, I, you know, these people were strangers that I w- was talking to, but I just got so much out of our conversations. And you know, I would go for daily walks with either Theodore or Matthew, uh, my kids, and I would, Matthew would ask me every day, who'd you interview today for your book? And I would tell him the story of, of Garth Callahan, uh, the, the, um, the napkin notes dad who started writing napkin notes when his daughter, Emma was just a little girl and he would put them in her, her lunch bag. And then he kept doing it for many years. And then he was diagnosed with cancer and he realized he wanted her to still have napkin notes until she was, you know, out of the house and off to college. So he spent many l- days and long hours writing out napkin notes uh, because he thought he was going to die. And, oh um, you know, it just he's still around. He's still here and he's doing well. And I talked oh, to Garth God. and I talked to Emma and what that means to them. Just a small little note in your lunch bag. Um, so, you know, these are the types of stories that really, um, it makes you realize we're all connected. We all, you know, just a little moment like that can change your whole day. And that's Mm -hmm. what this book means to me. It's, it's a book about kindness and, and, and shedding light on these wonderful people that really, um, you know, they, they are the epitome of humanity. I know it's going to be a bestseller, just like the first one was New York times, bestselling <laughs> book, bestselling author. This one will be as well. And I, you know, I think this is appropriate because I, that's sort of who you are. You, you really are a look on the bright side. And it's not like we don't have our moments of drama or upset, but you are able to dig yourself out of a lot, you know, life's thrown a lot your way. And I, I get. I think it's probably this attitude that gets you over to the other side. Like, there's got to be a silver lining. There's got to be something here that's going to make me feel better. And even if it's not in this story, let me think about other stories mm-hmm. that will make me bring more positivity into my life as opposed to negativity. 
the one thread in all of these stories is going through challenges. Every single story in this book um, will show you a challenge that this person or this event has had during their lives has happened. And they've come out on the other side of it and realized, I am so grateful. And I am going to show how grateful I am by doing something special for someone else. I, I go to the example of Ray Pfeiffer, a good mm-hmm. friend of mine and my husband, a firefighter. Ray um, of light. Ray of light. He, um, God, I get emotional just thinking of him. He was larger than life. Um, one of, you know, he'd walk into a room and you would stop what you were doing because he was just one of those people that you, you gravitated towards. He dug for months, uh, at the pile after nine 11, trying to, you know, dig up, um, remains, uh, for mm-hmm. the families of his fellow firefighters, along with my husband, Sean, and he got um, cancer, 9-11 related cancer. And he spent uh, the last year or so of his life sick with cancer, um, going down to uh, D.C. to bang on Chuck Schumer's door and all of these lawmakers to ensure that his brethren, his family members in the FDNY were taken care of and their families were taken care of if they were diagnosed with 9-11 related cancer. And he got that bill passed, the the Zadroga bill, Um, along with Jon Stewart. You know, it was a big story. Jon Stewart was a big advocate for for Ray and this this bill. But I write about him because he took this great challenge and he brought sunshine and sunlight to all of these families, including mine. I know that if Sean gets cancer um, down the line that Ray took care of us. So those are the types of stories. There, there are a lot of them that are going to make you cry, but there, mm-hmm. but all of them are going to make you want to be a better person. That's the thing that people, you know, they may not realize about you is, it's it's not just that Sean's parents were killed in the nursing homes. You know, they died in the nursing homes, and he wasn't able to see them. It's that Sean. Sean's a firefighter. Sean has devoted his life to helping other people, and he couldn't help his own parents through no yeah. fault of his own. And you guys live with the fear of that. I know. I know that. You live with the fear of what all of his months at Ground Zero digging through all that toxicity and the remains of his fellow firefighters, virtually all of whom were killed um, from his unit on 9-11. Will that come back to haunt him physically as it has for far too many guys who are down there digging through the rubble? There's no way of knowing you know, that's one of those things you just have to live with, you know, like people who've got certain cancer genes, you know, you hope for the best. You can't always do something about it. But I do think it's part of your story, JD, you know, like you're protective of him and your family. And there's certain injustices you can do very little about. And there are certain you can fight. And when you can fight, you must. And yeah. and I, it brings me full circle because, you know, you we were talking about what if Cuomo goes down as a result of these Me Too allegations, right? And and you were saying, of course, I'm totally in support of women's rights and you know holding abusive bosses to account. But I don't understand why 15,000 dead seniors wouldn't have been a good enough reason, right? Like we were having this conversation. And I said to you, 
it's almost perfect in a way, JD, if he goes down because of this, because you had a major role in launching the Me Too movement, whether people know it or not. We talked about that the last time you came on. There, there would be no Me Too movement without you. There wouldn't. You know, we talked about like Bombshell, right? They feature me a lot. I had a role. You had a huge role. You're the one who went door to door and got all the women to feel comfortable coming forward to Paul Weiss. And you and I both know we did not feel Gretchen Carlson would have won that lawsuit if the women hadn't come forward to back her. For sure, she fired the first bullet in this war, for sure. But she was going to lose that case in all likelihood without the women of Fox News going in there. And you were critical. So six years ago, you helped launch this kind of bomb out into the atmosphere that was up there. And if the past 10, 11 months of you out there banging this drum saying, please pay attention to what he did, please understand he's not being honest about these numbers. I'm telling you, I know he's not being honest and were criticized and diminished and bullied. And you kept talking and the meteorologist kept talking and he was hobbled because of you. And now if the thing that that pushes over the hobbled man is this Me Too bomb that was launched in the atmosphere in part by you six years ago, then so be it. You could say it's divine right order. I don't know what to say. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, like, it's... I do. I feel like I'm on the verge of tears a lot. Like I do. I want to protect him and I want to, he, God, he loved his parents so much. He really did. He really did. And he, he's such a quiet guy and I would do anything for him. I really would. And that's what it's down to. I just want to, I want to be able to speak up for those who don't have that microphone, you know, like that I had this platform. I was able to do it. I don't know what's going to happen, you know. Um, I just it it's it's either right or wrong, right? It's it it's it's black or white here. It, it he did something wrong, and and he needs to be punished for it. He really does. Mm-hmm. He needs um, to be held to account. He does, and uh, and I would do it over again. Um, I would, and that, those are very kind words from you, and you are completely biased. <laughs> <laughs> in a good but, way. But but I've said to you as well, <clears throat> you started this as, you know, you if it wasn't for you these people, these wonderful ladies who are speaking up right now against this bully governor, they wouldn't have had the courage if it wasn't for you. So, you know, if you're giving me all these <laughs> kudos for launching things in the atmosphere, I, you were holding my hand. Hmm. Janice, I yeah, continue to marvel at you. People have no idea. They just have no fucking clue. And they, it's like, you're just so strong. You've, you know, we haven't, it's like between your MS and your worries about Sean's health, legitimate worries. And you've had a lot in your family and the loss of both of your in-laws in the course of two weeks, taking on Roger Ailes, taking on the governor of New York all alone with Ron Kim, but basically by yourself and you're winning you're winning. He's being held to account. What what form the justice takes remains to be seen. But one thing's clear. You're a hero. You oh. are the hero of this story, a heroine. Um, and I love you, lady. I love you. I know. I love you, too. 
So let's just get to Kalahari now, actually. Okay, so this is a feature we, we have that we call Real Talk on the show. We just basically talk about something going on in, in the news or in my life or what have you that you know may be of interest to the viewers and the listeners. I always get it confused. And I want to talk about Kalahari, the kid Vegas that sits in the middle of the Poconos, Pennsylvania. And we've done it once before. We went to Camelback, I think, the last time. There's two of them. And we did this this other one this time around for your boys' birthdays, which fall within basically three weeks of one another in January and February. And our families went out to Kalahari a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago. And it was amazing. And I just want to set it up and then bring you in. So I I went first. JD was, we got a cabana, which was the lapse of luxury. I mean, it was like the cabana is a game changer, people. Um, so JD was sitting in it and I ran out for the first round with the kids and our husbands were there too. They were doing the slides and they're amazing. It's such a great water slide place. Like whatever you're thinking, it's too little. They have more, 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 more. And it was so fun. And of course, I started off like, I'm not doing any ones that are going to get my hair and makeup wet. <laughs> I want to look good. I don't want to look like a drowned rat for the rest of the day. Flash forward to like third slide. I'm like, woohoo, right? Totally submerged in the water. Um, so surrendered to it and had so much fun. Then we go back to the cabana. And I, I said to Janice, you know what I was just thinking about? I said, sometimes I think about people with these big lives. I think about Oprah or let's say Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, right? They have these big lives. But you know what? Especially Oprah. I don't, I don't know about Meghan and Harry. I guess they're trying to be more normal. You know what they're never going to have? They're never going to have the joy of going down the slides with their kids in the E. coli-ridden waters of the random water park. <laughs> and I mean it. It's like, I can't think of another event in my life that makes me feel more joyful than that one. We do it at the summers too. At the place we go in Jersey, there's a, there's a little water park and something about being at the water park with my children. It, it might be my most joy, joyful moment on earth. And I know it's disgusting. You can get planner's warts and you get all skin conditions and there's definitely something in the water that's not good, but <laughs> I don't Doug care. Said, remember Doug, he said, I, I, I planted my face into, you know, going down one of these rides and I could taste chlorine and I could taste something else. <laughs> Other bad things. Don't, and it's better not to ask. It's a don't ask, don't tell situation. By the way, we emerged without getting sick. Nothing bad happened. Um, but I just want to talk to you about it because did you, did you enjoy it as much as I did? And do you agree? Like, it's like, it doesn't take, yes, we had the cabana, which was a luxury, but it wasn't that expensive. It's, it's the little things in life that bring true joy. That's exactly it. And I must preface this with my kids love your kids so much. They, they are cousins. I mean, not by blood, but by friendship. Totally. And my boys every year around their birthday, you know, their biggest gift would be to spend time with your family. Like they consider that a birthday gift. And we had done it a, a couple of years ago with with both ki- with both families at Camelback in the Poconos. C- Poconos is basically known as you know water park central, with these two big uh, big uh, water park uh, extravaganzas. But we decided indoor, on Cam- we should point out indoor. Yes, indoor, right? Um, but we decided on Kalahari this year, and my kids were just so excited on the lead up. 
Um, and you're right. Uh, being there with your children. And I can't say that I am, you are much more adventurous than I am. I have not been on a water slide probably since my teenage years and my kids know (laughs) that, but let me just say this. They were so proud of me because aunt Megan convinced me you went on the ride first. You, you test drove the water park ride and thought to yourself, okay, JD doesn't like getting the water in her face. She has MS. She can't be submerged in hot water for a long period of time. It's not good for her health. I'm just going to try this ride. And it's the elephant ride. And you came out and you were like, JD, you can do this. I know you can. And again, it's been at least 30 years since I've done a water park (laughs) ride. And my kids have always, every time, mom, can you please do it with us? Mom, please, please. No, not this time, honey. I'm sorry. Maybe next time. But you got me on the ride. I went down, not going to lie. It was still terrifying, uh, (laughs) but my hair didn't get wet and it wasn't bad. And my little Theodore, the whole time afterwards, kept telling me how proud he was of me. And I have you to thank for getting me over that hump uh, and making my own sunshine by, you know, conquering my fears and going down the water park ride. And it was because of you. And so I thank you. My family thanks you. Uh, (laughs) Yet to be, we're going to do it again. And there will be another water park ride in my future. Absolutely. And this episode was brought to you in part by Kalahari Water. No, it wasn't. We got nothing. <laughs> we paid full Well, price. now we yeah. need like our own cabana forever. Oh, I, totally. They should name one after us after this free promo. I, <laughs> I'm going to have to call them to see if they would do want to sponsor the episode. <laughs> it was amazing. And you, you did. And you know what? Conquering fear could be a theme of the episode. This one and the last one. Uh, we all have do them. that water park ride. Just do it. Do it. And screw you, Oprah. <laughs> I don't know what it's about why it's about Oprah. I don't know why, but it is she somehow. Probably has never head. been to Kalahari. Right. Well, that's the thing. So it's like Oprah has this huge ranch called the Promised Land, and she's probably got her own private plane and she's got billions of dollars, but she doesn't have this life that would bring her to Kalahari. That's right. and you know what? It was all working class people in there. It was great. You know, it was like it's just like the heart of America, you know, sometimes, right. in, especially now in our, in my life, I get brought to these fancy events, whatever it is, the Met Gala. This blows doors on the Met Gala. I would do this a thousand times over again to the right. Met Gala zero, ideally. I This is true happiness in life. It's fun. You're with your kids, your family, your husband, your spouse. The, the, everyone is joyful with huge smiles on their faces. In our case, we had some margaritas. You, you had terrible food like greasy chicken fingers and pizza it's like you know you give yourself the day here and there we can go for it then the next day with a huge arcade and i love that too i'm really just a nine-year-old boy at heart so i don't know it was next year go-karts i'm in and it's it's we're making memories for our families and that's what it's all about and i love you i can't imagine anybody else that i would rather ride the water park ride with (laughs) Same, lady. Same. All right, so don't miss Friday's episode. We've got Larry Elder. I'm excited for this. He is so smart. Did you ever see the YouTube video of Larry Elder demolishing my dear friend Dave Rubin on the question of systemic racism in the United States? Oh, my God, it was a beating. Dave would be laughing if he were sitting here next to me. He's aware. Dave was sort of the 
the white liberal. At that point, Dave was still a liberal. He was working for the Young Turks for some time. And he was sort of challenging Larry, like there's systemic racism in the school system and the police system and blah, blah, blah. And Larry just took out his Edward Scissorhands and I mean, there was poor Dave with little in tatters sitting across from him. So I think he's he's really well read, well researched. So we're going to talk about this systemic racism thing and try to get some facts right? Is it true? People just throw it out there like it's a thing. And if you disagree with it, there's something wrong with you. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You know, he's just released this movie called Uncle Tom, which is very thoughtful, very insightful, very respectful, and talks about what it's like to be a black person who doesn't sign on to some of these sort of liberal orthodoxies. And um, it's doing very well. So anyway, we're going to get into all of it. Looking forward to Larry Elder on Friday. Don't miss it. Go ahead and subscribe now so you can make sure you don't. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. The Megan Kelly Show is a Devil May Care media production in collaboration with Red Seat Ventures.